Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. As we come to a close in our series of giving application and attention to the season of Advent, we will define what the word Advent really means and find out that there is an Advent yet to come, a second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening and joining us on this journey on this snowy Sunday as we, together, call our hearts towards preparation and expectation for Advent. Well, when I served as a missionary, uh, the island that we were on had one of the smallest airports that you'd ever see. Um, they did their best to have uh, vendors and make it look like it was like a proper airport. Uh, that being an international terminal, you still had all the rigmarole that you've got at the normal airports. But one of the things that was uh, different is you never quite knew when the flight, flight was going to arrive. Uh, she, could, she could be listed at 4 o'clock and you know what? It could be 5 o'clock before it came in, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Um, you always had to remain quite flexible when it came to the flights. Well, on this one particular trip, I remember uh, getting the ticket and then in my um, very lackadaisical effort of being flexible, thought, well, the flight's not going to be here for a while. And right across the street, there's this tiny little restaurant and I hadn't had lunch. And so I went over there and put in my order and had kind of my my things scattered about. Now, I, for whatever reason, my wife wasn't with me at this time because when she's with me, things tend to be a little bit more orderly. But here I was just about to take a big bite of this juicy burger as I'm waiting for uh, the plane to come. When I hear the announcement, now arriving Silver Airlines Flight 38 with service to Fort Lauderdale. Come on, are you kidding? Like worst timing ever. Uh, and I remember uh, scrambling, having to find uh, find my ticket, and put everything together, and not getting uh, opportunity to finish my burger. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit unsettling when you're not prepared for something, especially a flight, and it shows up. Uh, this, I think, is for us as God's people a parallel and a bit of a warning, both to the world and to the church, that we would make sure to be prepared uh, for the Lord's coming, maybe just like that flight. In fact, we're told that he will come like a thief when you are not prepared. And we live in a time and in a world where there are so many distractions. I only had a juicy cheeseburger. Can you imagine the distractions that exist in our world today that distract people from turning to God, from looking to God, from having the time to give to say that God is number one in my life? There's a myriad of things that take people's gaze away from where the Christian should be watching and preparing for the return of our Lord. We have, for the month of December, been studying Advent. Um, I wanted to give you a definition of what the word Advent means. It's made of really a conjunction of two Latin words, ad, which means to, and venier, which means to come or to arrive. And so our theme here, as has been throughout Advent, is looking at what does it mean that Jesus is arriving. Well, for the shepherds on that night where the angels gave, the, gave their song that here would come the Christ child and you can find him in Bethlehem, laid in a manger, that was his advenier. It was his coming. We would be remiss if in our study of Advent, we failed to look not at his first coming only, but also at 
his second coming. For the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. There is for us a second advent. We need to make sure that we're careful to to pay attention. That we would not be found having ourselves distracted when the announcement comes, now arriving Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, with service to judgment of mankind. And that day is coming. The day when the Lord's return, it will be announced with trumpets and at the shout of the angel, with loud fanfare, you and I need to make sure that we are not caught off guard. And so this is what we're going to look at. He is coming again. He is coming again soon. In fact, we read, you heard our readings today. It was the last prophet in the Old Testament from Malachi and the last book in the New Testament that here we are on the last Sunday of the year in the last year of the decade. We're going to pay attention and we as God's people are going to seek to study what does it mean to live as those prepared for his second coming. Our text is very short this morning. It's in the Gospel of John in chapter 1. We're going to look just at two very short verses and I'll have a few observations for us. And then one primary application is we seek to obey God's word. Uh, Take a lesson uh, as his people that we would not make similar mistakes as they did during the time of his first advent. It's on page 1509 on the Pew Bibles. If you have Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 1. Reading now in verses 10 and 11. John writes, He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. As we look to these two verses, I have uh, basically two categories for us to look at. Uh, Verse 10 outlines Jesus' relationship with the world. And then in verse 11, we'll see Jesus' relationship with his people. So to begin with, Jesus' relationship with, with his people starts with him being in the world. This is what it says in verse 10. He was in the world. It's amazing to think that they would miss it. He's right there. Not sure how they couldn't see it. John writes about this similarly in his, his epistle. In 1 John, he's writing, saying, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You can see in here how many times John is trying to convey the very simple truth, Jesus is in the world. He's right there. We've seen Him. We've touched Him. We've witnessed Him. It's amazing to me how easily we can overlook things that are right in front of us. My, my children had this problem uh, while they were with their cousins over uh, Christmas break last week. Uh, they were engrossed in a racing game, a video game, where you can have four people racing against one another at once. And that occupying their attention, their mom comes in and says, Dinner's ready. And what do you think they did? 
just stayed right there. Playing. I mean, they were just right in the game. They didn't, didn't hear her. They didn't see anything else because they had their attention focused on the wrong thing. And you can imagine, maybe in your own life, how we would respond to knowing the arrival of somebody showing up. Jesus here is spoken of John of being in the world. Well, what's your house like when you know company's coming over? I'll tell you, my house is as clean as it ever gets when company's coming over. You know what the surprise is? When people come a couple minutes early, though, what do you do when they show up a couple minutes early? You start scrambling, right? Those dirty laundry, they get tossed behind the doors, right? And the dishes kind of get covered up and you sweep things under the rug, right? This is what it's like. What about Jesus? What if Jesus were to show up? Sometimes I I look in, um, predominantly through churches, you will find that young people... Don't, don't occupy the pews in many churches today. It's, it's filled with older folks. Folks whose hair reveals their wisdom, if you know what I mean. I kind of feel like when it gets to uh, that stage in life, you realize you've got more years behind you than you have in front of you. And it's kind of like a, a student cramming for a final exam. Now they're trying to get right with the Lord before it's too late. He's in the world. This is, this is what John reveals about Jesus. He is right there. And yet, the people who should have seen it missed it. The second observation that we have in this text is that Jesus made the world. Again, in verse 10, it says, And though the world was made through him. Uh, literally in the Greek, it reads this way, The world through him became. There would be no world... Had the world not came through Jesus. Uh, Jesus, there in the beginning, if you uh, jump up to verse 1 here in John's prologue, we'll see that he was with God in the beginning. He was indeed God. You'll find this teaching throughout the New Testament as well. One more verse for you here. Paul writes to the Colossians with these words. Chapter 1, verse 16. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Him here is Jesus. I I don't know if you can catch kind of the absurdity of this passage. He says all things were created, semicolon. And then he feels like he actually has to unpack that. Just in case you were wondering, things in heaven and things on earth. Just in case you were wondering, things visible and things invisible. Everything is created through him. And really, I believe that makes Jesus the ultimate authority. Is that not the ultimate form of authority to say, I made it? I was um, uh, playing a little bit of pickup basketball with the cousins, too, just over Christmas while we were in Ohio. Uh, the weather was just uh, just very nice. Um, Almost felt like springtime. It was in the 60s. Uh, and so uh, we were playing a little basketball. My, my son started to get a little bit of attitude, though. He st- starts saying, hey, Dad, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. You know what I said to him? I made you. <laughs> that kind of beats everything, doesn't it? <laughs> you think you're better than me? I made you. Or maybe you've heard those loving words come out of the mouth of many a mother. I brought you into this world. I can take you out just as easily. <laughs> Jesus made everything. Everything, whether in heaven 
or on earth, whether visible or invisible. Everything that has been made has been made through him, by him, for him. The the reason why this is important is because what it does is outline for us a picture of Jesus that ought to demand a response. He's in the world. He's right there. You can't miss him unless you got your attention on something else. He made the world. If ever there was someone who deserved your attention, it should be your maker. And yet now we come to the third clause here in verse 10. If you will look with me, Jesus is ignored by the world. The text says this, the world did not recognize him. The word recognize here is the word gnosko in Greek. It means to know him. It means to see and to recognize. Paul will write to the church in Rome of, of men who don't want to have to answer to God. He will say that God has very clearly been seen since the creation of the world. His eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from that which has been made so that men are without excuse because that's how the world wants to live. They want to live in a way where they say, well, we didn't know about God. I I, I couldn't have seen God. Psalm 14 verse 1 says, it's the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. Guess who they're fooling, by the way? They're really lying to themselves and fooling themselves because men don't want accountability. We don't want to turn to God. Sure, he may be in the world. Sure, he may have made the world. But you know what? I'm just going to pretend like he's not even there. Um, It's got to be, for me, one of uh, the most annoying words as a father I can hear from one of my child. One One of my children is them saying, I didn't know. What do you mean you didn't know? Tell my son to take out the trash and we put the trash right next to the door. Right where he can see it. It's right there. And an hour later, guess what? Oh, I thought you meant just the trash over there. What, you, what do you mean you didn't know? It's right there. It's obvious. You won't get that ability. No one will get that ability to say that you didn't know. Or to claim ignorance so that you can live in darkness and continue to love your sin The reality is that people do not want God. That is the reality. When Jesus first came, they didn't want that version of Jesus. The Messiah to come and die? We don't want that kind of Messiah, even Jesus' own followers. Do you remember the story of Peter himself? Jesus says, I must go to Jerusalem to be handed over by the scribes and Pharisees and be put to death. Peter takes Jesus aside and said, literally, the text says, he rebuked Jesus. <laughs> you, you got some guts, buddy, if you're going to rebuke Jesus. And Jesus takes him and says, get behind me, Satan, for you have the things of man in mind, not the things of God. You and I, we live in a world where people do not want to worship the true living God. They'd rather worship the God that they want. In fact, I, over this past Christmas break, I was talking with some friends Talking about prayer and just how prayer works. And, and I asked if they were okay if God were to say no to their prayers. And do you know what they said? No. 
And I think if you were honest today, you'd say the same thing. And I would say the same thing. Because deep down, you and I really don't want a God that's going to do what He's going to do. We want a God who's going to do what we would want Him to do. Have you ever had a prayer not answered? Anybody in church today? Right? Has that ever happened to you? I'll tell you this. Uh, hindsight's many times twenty twenty. Boy, is it a good thing. He knew better than me when I was younger. Didn't answer some of my prayers. But every now and then I still wish... He would do things the way I want and not the way that he has laid out. And the reality is that depiction is of a God of my own creation. And I might be looking for a God, but it's not the true living God. And I need to be very careful because you want to know the real scary thing? The real scary thing about this situation is that Jesus, when he comes, was not ignored by the sinners. It was the religious people who missed it. You and I would think that, oh yeah, it was the wicked guy. It was the sinning man. They're the ones that are going to miss Jesus. When in fact it was the sinners who routinely, we read in the Gospels, are there bringing offerings before Jesus or breaking perfume over Jesus' feet or spending time with Jesus. The crowds came to him. It was the religious people who missed it. This is essentially what we have in our, our next verse. The reason why they missed it was because they were looking for something else. And so the second set of observations are not generally to the world, but now they depict Jesus's relationship with his people. In verse 11, it says, he came to that which was his own. So Jesus comes to his own. We now move from a general sense that he's just in the world. And now we get very specific. Jesus isn't just in the world. Jesus is now going to come to the people who ought to know him, the people who ought to receive him because they are his own. I wonder if you could hold your spot here in John and just turn with me to Matthew's gospel very briefly. Matthew chapter 24. (coughs) Matthew chapter 24, that we would get a warning of what it will be like at his second advent. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Do you remember what advent means? Venier means to come or to arrive. So this, you, you, could, you could cross out the word coming and you could put the word advent in here. This is how it will be at the advent of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be. At the advent or the coming of the Son of Man. He came to his own. Jesus' own were not looking for the Messiah the way that he was going to come. They had their attention drawn somewhere else. We're, We're looking for a king, a mighty Messiah, a victor who would throw off the oppression of these Roman rulers above us. And will redeem for us once more the glory of Israel like it was in the time of King David. That's who we're looking for. A general, a triumph like a lion type of a warrior Messiah. Believe me, he's coming like that. You will get 
that version of Jesus. In fact, that is the one depicted up here. And how does Jesus warn the church of his arrival? What will the world look like? It'll be like in the days of Noah. You guys remember Sunday's little stories of Noah, right? Why is it again that God destroyed the whole world with a flood? Which is really kind of awful, awful thing in our human history. If you can remember, it's because every thought of the hearts of mankind was continually evil all the time. Evil's a, evil's a funny thing. We, we would be wrong in thinking that evil was only filled with the worst of murderers, adulterers, and the most vile offenders that you can think of. Do you know what evil is? Evil is a seeking of your own glory above God. It's a, it's, it is an elevation of putting anything above the one true God. The Bible will refer to it as idolatry, but it will come in very subtly in your life. It will sneak its way in that you don't even realize it. it is there. And the culture and the world to which Jesus' sec- Jesus's second return will look like is a culture where, where people are eating and drinking and getting married and not paying any attention. And they will not be ready. This one observation right here is very humbling to me because of all the people for whom should have recognized the first advent of Jesus, it was his own people. And who am I preaching to today? God's own people. Under a very dangerous banner of living in a world filled with idolatry. So this is the warning. Everybody kind of catch the warning that, that, that we're seeing here from God's word? The last observation I have for us on this passage from Matthew 24 is that they didn't want him. If you look with me again in verse 11, back to John chapter 1. It says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The word receive him here uh, is a conjunction of really two Greek terms. Uh, Paralabano is, is the word put together. It means to accept, means to welcome with friendliness, open arms, um, the, the two words para meaning uh, with or alongside, you might recognize it as a prefix within our word parallel, right? Para meaning alongside or with. And lambano, the, the primary verb here, means to take. So if you lambano something, you, you're, you're taking it. If you paralabano it, you're taking it with you. Everybody get the point here? The text says he came to that which was his own, but they did not paralabano him. They did not take him with them. Your Bible might just say receive. I, I think there's a more into the picture of this word than just receive. Yes, it clearly means receive, but it's receive in a manner that now you, you have ownership over it. I, th- this, is, this is part of my identity now. I am characterizing my life by holding on to that which I am receiving. And that's not what they did. In fact, they didn't want Jesus. He came to those who were his own, but they didn't want to keep him. They didn't want to hold on to him. I was watching a little bit of college football yesterday. Anybody else like to watch college football? I remember watching um, a highlight reel. It was one of these kind of 
bloopers that they sometimes show of mistakes that college players make. And one of the common ones is uh, some of these young players don't quite have the discipline to know how uh, not to celebrate because everybody likes to celebrate when they make a touchdown. And here they had uh, their running back like some 60-yard run, and he's running into the end zone, and he drops – if this were the end zone right here, he drops the ball to raise his hand in celebration before he crosses the goal line. Now what happens if you do that? You get touchdown, yes or no? No. Because you did what with the ball? You, dro- you didn't carry it with you. You, you. you had it for a while, and then you dropped it. You were right there, but you didn't take it with you. You didn't parallelbano the ball. You didn't secure it and make it part of who you were. You thought more about what? Celebrate, right? And eating and drinking and giving in marriage and having a good time, right? That was your focus. There's a parable that Jesus gives Uh, In Luke chapter 8, you'll find it in Matthew as well. I have it simply here on the screen. Jesus says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. The disciples, as they hear this story, they get confused over it. But I'm, I'm, I'm expecting you know the explanation of this. The seed here is God's word. The soil is your heart. Four different kinds of soil that are given here. One, that's a path. Yeah, the, so, the seed was sown on the path. Birds came and ate it. It was gone. The next two, it was received, but then it was dropped. On the one, it had rocks around it, and so it choked out. And that depicts the, the persecution that may come by the name of Jesus and the hardship that it might be to carry the name of Jesus. And maybe in your own life, you've been tempted at times with family members or with work to say, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm really a Christian. Or you kind of zip it when you probably, if you spoke up, would receive persecution from it. That's a little bit of rocky ground. Or maybe it's the thorny ground. This is where the cares of life come and they just... They choke out that which was starting to grow. Well, I used to go to church, but now I'm too busy. And, you know, work's got me on, uh, crazy on the schedule. And it's okay. I, I go to, this is one I hear. I go to church in the woods. Anyone hear that? that that's my church, out in the woods. Look, you, you can convince yourself of whatever you want. You, you know what you, you remind me of a, a college football player. Who, who had it, but you're looking at the wrong thing. Listen, Jesus came to people who should have seen him. His own people. But they didn't want him. They didn't want to receive him. They didn't parallelbano him. They did not make him a component of their lives. And so at his arrival, they did not receive him. Jesus is coming again. His second advent still lays before us. And so as we wrap up our series on advent... We need to take a warning to make sure that we keep Jesus with us. For he is coming again. And I would venture to guess that every one of us in here has some measure of those four soils going on in our lives today. I'm sure you have moments where it's hard to be known as a Christian. 
I'm sure you have moments where you feel like I, I was in the word or I, you know, I, was, I was reading the Bible every day, but then the cares of life come and, and I just never got back to it again. And maybe even like that fourth soil, you actually do see, nope, there is fruit that's growing. It's just, boy, it's growing in a desert or it's growing where there's weeds all around us. I want to conclude as we focus on this being the primary message for our application. I want to conclude with a passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul, one of his very early letters to the church. Listen to what he writes. He says, now brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. It's a difficult passage to preach, but it's one that as a dutiful pastor, I have to make sure that you hear the warning. Come to him while there is time. Turn to Jesus and turn away from your sins. Hold fast Onto him and then carry him with you everywhere you go. So that when the day of his return comes, you will not be found like I was trying to take a bite out of a cheeseburger. Instead of ready for that announcement. Now arriving, Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords with service unto the judgment of all mankind. Will you pray with me this morning?